Hello and welcome to this special Dry Bones Ministries podcast series, Reflections on the Screwtape Letters. I'm Father Adam Potter and I'm excited because today we reflect on the fifth letter about war. This letter starts off with screw tape, beginning once again by reprimanding young Wormwood for his naivety and his excitement about a new war in Europe. So this is the Second World War. And Screwtape explains that war can be very entertaining in so much as it brings hatred and violence, but it can also drive masses of people to God. Screwtape warns his nephew not to get caught up in the enjoyment, only to lose his patient to God. So I, I hope you had a, a good read of this fifth letter of the Screwtape letters. Um, there is so much here, as with everything. Again, uh, I hope I don't get tired of saying it. I hope you don't get tired of hearing me say it, but C.S. Lewis just packs so much into every letter. I've been talking to some of you who have just said, yeah, it's overwhelming, and it's it's so packed, and then he kind of brings in all these different layers and directions, and so hang in there. Hang in there with, with the readings, and I know they can be tough. Someone said they uh, started doing a, a reading of the letter, and then listening to the podcast, and then reading the letter again, and that that was helpful to kind of get the most out of it. So whatever works best for you, um, go with that, because there's a lot here. So I'm just going to go through the letter and try and emphasize some of the things that I found really helpful and insightful. First of all, whenever this uh, idea of the war comes up, it's interesting the way that Screwtape kind of mocks Wormwood. He says, oh, tell me about the way that you tortured your patients. Did you torture him with pictures of the future? Did you give him self-pitying glance at the happy past? And these are interesting, right? Because the, the evil one, demons, they're not able to control our minds and what we think about, but they are able to place thoughts into our minds. And so here is this great insight that C.S. Lewis has about how the evil one can try and bring us to images of the, of the past and try and like, or sorry, images of the future and how it's going to be torturous and painful and a lot of suffering and I'm not going to be in control and life isn't going to be the way that I wanted it to be. Or he brings us to the happy past. Did you play the violin? He asks him, right? Playing the violin about all those happy memories of the way that they, things used to be. And here's the tactic, right? The evil one is very good at getting us to focus on the future or the past. Why? Well, these are the two time periods that we literally have no control over. <laughs> we, we can't change the past and we can't control the future as much as we try and as much as technology and everything else gives us these uh, temptations to think that we can't and we just can't. In the end, it's the present moment where the Lord is really is, right? Because to be in the present, in the here and now, we encounter the God who is, the God who is eternally present. God is in eternity, which means there is no past, there is no future, there is only the present moment. And so to live in the present means to live in God. And so that's why as Christians, we need to surrender our past to God's mercy and to surrender our future to God's providence. And really live in the present. I don't know where you're at right now. There's so many temptations to, yeah, think about the past, the way things used to be. And I don't know, the future and like try and control it or fix it. And where's the Lord inviting us just to be in the present in this 
trusting disposition of surrender. Okay, how about Screwtape's attitude towards war? Did that surprise you? It did me, to be honest, in the first time that I, I read this. I was just expecting Screwtape to be, yeah, thrilled. War. People are going to be dying. People are going to be suffering. There's going to be even greater division and chaos and families are going to be split. And you would just think that this would be, yes, for like a great eruption of victory for the side of the evil one. And yet we see in his response, it's not so. Um, war in itself is not a great victory for the evil one. But it has a lot more to do with how we respond to it, right? There was this mention of the real business. Did you catch that? <laughs> What's that about? Screwtape says, do not allow any temporary excitement to distract you from the real business of undermining faith and preventing the formation of virtues. Right? So, so that's it. So the temporary excitement over the, the war. Don't get just excited about the war because that's not a victory in and of itself. But what's the faith of the patient, right? Where's the virtue in his response? Give me your patient's reactions to the war, says Screwtape. So that's a great question for all of us, right? Like, do we get caught up in the wars themselves of our life and not focus on how we react to them? There are wars all the time that just come up against us, that continue to bombard us. And if we just think that, oh, because there's this war, because there's this suffering, because there's this persecution, then it's over, then I'm missing the real invitation of going deeper in faith, trusting in God, and living a life of virtue, right? What does virtue mean? It's the disposition towards living a good life, doing what's right, even in the midst, maybe especially in the midst of persecution. So to live rightly, to live courageously, to enact justice, what is actually due to people right here and now. Okay, so moving on, um, in the, the second paragraph, these were longer paragraphs in this chapter, but I saw a real important emphasis on the temporal versus the eternal. The temporal versus the eternal. It looks like this. Screwtape says, quote, When I see the temporal suffering of humans who finally escaped us, I feel as if I had been allowed to taste the first course of a rich banquet and then denied the rest. There are a number of these lines that, I don't know, just give me a chill. Like, how did C.S. Lewis really enter in so deeply into the mind of the enemy, right? So what does that mean? Gosh, nothing tortures the evil one more than seeing the faithful, a patient, suffering in the temporal, in the present time, and yet escaping him through an, a lively and active faith and trust in God. It's as if he was able to taste the, the first course of like, yes, he is suffering. And it's it's tempting to, to think that, and then he will be suffering for all of eternity. But in fact, the suffering is not the end. We, we see later on in this letter, suffering has been redeemed by God. Um, so just thinking about that, right? That both God and Satan are interested in the eternal and how often we get so focused on the temporal, the here and the now. I was thinking about this recently. I read the book Silence 
Silence. It was made into a movie by Martin Scorsese. It's this incredible look into these heroic Jesuit missionaries who go off to Japan in time of great, great persecution of the faith by the Japanese government. And they are trying to extinguish every ounce of Christianity. And so these Jesuits go over with great courage, great zeal, great expectations of being able to pass along the faith and even to suffer um, and to shed their blood for Jesus Christ, who they love. And what they find is that these um, these, in op- these Japanese who are in opposition to the faith are so savvy and cunning. And instead of just killing the Jesuit missionaries right away, they realize and they've come to learn what Tertullian would say in the early church, that the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the faithful. And so just to, to quickly be able to suffer for Christ and to be a martyr for Christ actually allows the faith to grow even more. And so what they started to do was instead of persecuting the missionaries, they would persecute the faithful. And so they would set up these horrible torture devices of um, cutting a little slit in the, um, it's right under the, right under the human's ear, put them upside down and to torture them in this long extended death. And all the, the Jesuit missionary had to do to be able to stop this horrible suffering was step on an image of the face of Jesus. That was it. All you have to do is step on the face of Jesus. And it's this horrible suffering um, as it's depicted in the the book Silence of they just wanted the suffering to stop and to see how wrong, like, right, that God wouldn't want his faithful to suffer and he wouldn't want them to go through this prolonged agony, right? And so in the end, there's this horrible apostasy that's justified by this Jesuit missionary is being what God would want because he wouldn't want there to be all this suffering for this faithful who, Jesus, they love you. And it's so sad because it really misses, the this missionary misses the eternal for the temporal. Right? It's, it's interesting. I was thinking about St. Paul to the Romans. He just has a number of places where he talks about Here's Romans 8.18. I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. They're not even worth comparing to the glory that will be revealed to us. In Romans 5.3-5, he says, More than that, we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not disappoint us because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Oh, this is hard, right? Because suffering is hard. Agony is hard. And especially whenever there's no end in sight and it can seem like, Lord, why would you want this, allow this, permit this? And this is where to be able to see beyond the here and now, beyond this world, and to remember how Christ has redeemed this suffering and actually allowed it to be the means through which our faith can be strengthened and we can come to be even closer to him. Okay, um, yeah, moving on. Here, we're, we're just in the depths of suffering right now and the eternal consequences of all of this. Um, let's go, right? This is why this letter is just so packed with meaning for all of us. So, We see how the enemy wants to use the war 
but we also know how God wants to use the war. This line from Screwtape jumped out to me. If we are not careful, we shall see thousands turning in this tribulation to the enemy that is God, while tens of thousands who do not go so far as that will nevertheless have their attention diverted from themselves to values and causes which they believe to be higher than the self. Oh, so forgive me, right? Um, on the one hand, gosh, war, tribulation, persecution, it's an opportunity for thousands to turn to God. But it's also, right, an opportunity for the evil one to allow their attention to be diverted away from God. So, yeah, forgive me. I can't help but think about uh, this podcast happening just kind of on the tail end of these last two years of a pandemic that has just caused so many to stop practicing their faith and to stop coming to church, right? And in a pandemic, for example, like war is not evil in itself. Um, but again, what's the response to the pandemic? What's the response to the suffering? And gosh, there have been a lot of people who have had their faith strengthened. They believe in God. They believe in eternity even more so, which is incredible, right? But then there are so many who, and the estimates, the predictions are still coming out. I mean, it's about 50% of the faithful have not returned to church in these last two years. And I just had this really sad experience of not too long ago on a Friday for lunch, I ordered a to-go fish sandwich from a local bar. And as I was going in to pick it up, I had this um, couple across the bar yell at me, oh, hey, father, how are you? Good to see you. And um, like, yeah, hey, thanks. Good to see you too. And they're like, sorry, we haven't been back yet. We're just trying to play it really safe right now with the pandemic. Right? And of course, they're saying this to me in a bar, not wearing masks, drinking their White Claws. And I just had no idea how to respond. Like, does this seem as ridiculous to you as it does to me? And so this isn't a judgment or a criticism, but it is just to point out, this is kind of absurd. It's like, what? What has happened that we think that we're safer in a bar than we are in church right now? So, right, like, it's not evil in itself, but what's the response? Both the evil one and God are using these things to try and bring souls to themselves, and we need to be on guard. So, why is war so potentially powerful for God and detrimental to Satan? Just to say clearly, right, because it... It causes humans to reflect on their mortality. Someday we're going to die. And maybe that day will come sooner than I expected. Listen to this quote, right? Gosh, again, another one that just brought chills to me. How much better for us, says Screwtape, if all humans died in costly nursing homes amid doctors who lie, nurses who lie, friends who lie, as we have trained them, promising life to the dying encouraging the belief that sickness excuses every indulgence, and even if our workers know their job, withholding all suggestion of a priest, lest it should betray to the sick man its true condition. Oh. Friends, on the one hand, a prepared soul is torture to the evil one. But on the other hand, we know that the evil one is working to unprepare us. And to think about just how many of our faithful are in nursing homes, 
that can be used to unprepare, to distract, to numb, and to to promise eternal worldly life. So one of the best weapons of the evil one is contented worldliness. Do you hear this? Contented worldliness. And to think about where we are in our 21st century Western world, that we are just so comfortable. We are so fat. We are so air-conditioned. We are so just conditioned to seek our own pleasure, our own comforts. And this is not preparing us to embrace our mortality or this reality that we will die. This is why I've, I've come to really appreciate, we'll talk about this throughout this podcast, but um, an early, early church spirituality called Memento Mori. Memento Mori, Latin for remember your death. Remember, it sounds really morbid, right? But <laughs> to remember one's death is actually to remember just the reality I'm going to die. I am mortal. I will breathe my last breath. And to think about that in relation to how I'm living right now, that I can keep the eternal brought right into my here and now so that I want to live in a way that when I die, I'm ready and I'm prepared. And so that I can experience the glory that awaits me for those who love Jesus Christ. This is it. And how the evil one loves to distract us. And I think, no, no, no. You have time. You have a lot of time. Actually, you, you'll never die. You'll, you'll be here forever. And that is straight from hell. Finally, there's this really insightful line in the last paragraph that says, A faith which is destroyed by a war or a pestilence cannot really have been worth the trouble of destroying. What does that mean? Well, it makes me think about what Paul and Paul talks about to the Romans James talks about rejoicing and suffering, about this reality of suffering being a great opportunity to have our faith strengthened and purified. And if suffering immediately destroys the faith, then it actually reveals that there wasn't much of a faith there to begin with. So why is it not worth destroying? I guess because 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 it's like it wasn't there to begin with. It was already dead. And so maybe this makes me think of the couple at the bar that I should see them more with pity than anger, right? I don't think I was angry. I actually think I was just sad, right? Were they ever really in church with a lively faith to begin with? Again, maybe I just think about our church working so hard to make people comfortable. And if all we do is try and accommodate the faithful and give them everything they want with ever actually challenging them to an authentic faith, are we doing them just a greater disservice? Have we already kind of lost them without actually having them engaged? Ah, so this is where really to see this life is a preparation for the true life. That what's really real is not this world, but what this world prepares us for. And gosh, if a war comes and can wake us up to this, then praise God. Well, friends, this is the, the end of this podcast for this fifth letter. Can we end just with, again, praying for St. Michael the Archangel's protection that uh, we might have our guardian angel with us to protect us against all these lies that we have forever, that, um, e- that eternity is not something to consider. We can just focus on this world and allow our hearts to really be strengthened with a lively faith and trust in God. St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, 
cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. Thank you for joining us for this special podcast series, Reflections on the Screwtape Letters. If you'd like to support the work of Dry Bones Ministries, please visit drybonespgh.org. God bless you. Please pray for me. I'm praying for you on this journey through the Screwtape Letters. May we come to fall ever more in love with the Lord Jesus and trust him ever more deeply. God bless you.